AC had a problem. AC and his roommates had decided at the Christian, uh, to be Christians in their college. They wanted to make a difference in their school. They wanted to let other people know about this wonderful person, Jesus Christ. And so he and his buddies tried to lead people to Jesus Christ. Well, there were two guys who were beyond AC. They were too smart, too intense. But fortunately for AC, there was a guy in the school by the name of Dave. Dave was a graduate student. Dave was brilliant. Dave was studying for the ministry. Dave could handle it. So AC made arrangements for those two students to meet with Dave. So he brought the two students in to talk to Dave. Uh, Dave was in between classes. He was kind of rushed. And Dave came in, and the first student walked in the door right behind A.C., and the second student right behind him. And, and A.C. goes, hey, Dave, these are the students I told you about. And so Dave really burnt, just, just kind of almost, not rude, but just kind of almost on the verge, you know, just kind of said, okay, so what do you want? First student kind of stepped back. He goes, well, you know, uh, I, I, I'm, in, I'm in university now, and I, I, I've been thinking I need to expand my horizons, and, and I want to check out this uh, Jesus thing, this uh, Christianity. And I, so I thought I might read a little bit about Christianity as well as some Islam and some Hindu and some Buddhism. And, and I'd like to say, he goes, stop right there. Just, just stop right there. He goes, if you want to be a dilettante, if you just want to flit around, if you just want to sip a little bit here, sip a little bit there, I don't have time for you. <laughs> what? I beg your pardon, said the first student. He goes, he goes no, no, I, I don't mean to be rude. I, I'm carrying an extremely heavy load, and I just don't have time for you if you're going to just flit back and forth, flit back and forth. I, I just don't have time for that. I've got a couple guys I'll introduce you to. I've got a couple books you can read. And when you want to get serious about Jesus Christ, come back and talk to me. Then he turned with the same voice inflection, with the same attitude to the second student, and he goes, what do you want? The guy swallowed hard. He said, well, you know, I grew up in a very liberal home. We, we knew about Jesus Christ, but we didn't really study about him. We didn't really talk about him. And my parents are good-loving people. They're good folks. I had a great childhood. And, uh, I, you know, other than you having some uh, theological differences and you view the Bible differently than I do, I don't know what the difference is. I don't know why it's a big deal that you have this Christian worldview. So, can you explain it to me? Dave looked at him. He goes, I'll tell you what. You want to know what the difference is? He said, yeah, I want to know what the difference is. He says, then I want you to live with me for a month. I want you to go where I go. I want you to be where I'm in. I want you to hear every conversation I have. I want you to eat what I eat. I want you to talk to the people I talk to. I want you to see how I spend my money. I want you to see how I treat people. I want you to see how I love people. I want you to see what I do, all because of Jesus Christ and what he means to me. 
And after a month, you'll know what the difference is. Now, the first student went on his way. The second student, while he didn't move in with Dave, did follow Dave. And it changed his life. You see, Dave said, I am going to be an example. Now, I have a question for you. Imagine you get a phone call from me. Hi, it's Pastor Greg. And you keep going, why didn't I look at caller ID? (sighs) Yeah, Pastor? Hey, I have someone who wants to know what Jesus Christ is all about. And I was wondering, could they live with you for a month? Would you be an example to them for a month? Two questions. One, would you do it? Two, would they be closer or farther to Jesus? Would they be closer to or farther from Jesus? And three, just for fun, would it scare you to death? And would you become a member of the Covenant Church the next week? (laughs) Yeah, an example. My little buddy, Alfonso, he was seven years old at the time, came up to me and he said, Pastor Greg, I've been thinking said, what have you been thinking, Alfonso? He goes, I've been thinking, and I've thought this thought. What is it, buddy? He goes, all people are examples. I said, yeah, that's pretty good, buddy. Yeah, but there's more, Pastor Greg. I said, what's that? It's your choice whether you're a good example or a bad example. Wow, that's pretty deep, buddy. What does it mean to you? I have to decide what kind of example I'm going to be. Not bad for seven years old. Not bad at all. Today, as we look at the scriptures, we're going to see some examples. We're going to see some examples. I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Philippians, chapter 2. Philippians, chapter 2, starting in verse 19. Philippians 2, starting in verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be able to be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy. You know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son 
with a father. He has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord shortly that I myself will come also. Did you catch the phrases there? No one like him. Genuinely concerned for your welfare. Proven worth as a son. That's great praise, isn't it? Wow. You know, there's an axiom in ministry that most churches don't do. You hire for heart and character first, skills second. But most of the time in the church, we are wowed by skills and we, we hire for skills and then the heart and character. You know why we want to hire first for heart and character? Paul said it right there. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. You see, you can always teach skills, but you can't teach heart. You can't teach character. You can't teach those things. Either they got them or they don't. You can develop them like you, you, you can bring it out. But it's either there or it's not. Two years ago, two years ago, I was coming in and they said we want you to meet somebody and I said okay okay we, we've already hired the intern of youth here now that's always dangerous when you hire the intern before you hire the pastor because that means that if there's a problem I'm going to be the bad guy having to kick him out you know and I said, well, tell me about this guy. And I said, well, he's really young. He's just out of school. He's, he's, a, he's a really sweet guy. But, oh, I ought to see this kid's heart. I said, hmm. So I started meeting with him. Wow. What a heart, huh? And the more I got to know our youth guy, Braxton, the more I saw his character. And I remember going to our elder board and I said, you know, we can teach him the skills. But this kid's got the heart. This kid's got character. That's where we start. That's what's important. Last summer, I was asked to go speak at, at Camp Shamanah, and I said, I'm not going unless I can take my youth guy with me and have him speak to the junior hires. And I said, he'll do an amazing job for you. And they said, okay, and so they listened to him. Oh, yeah, he'll be great, he'll be great. So Braxton and I went for a week at camp. I spoke to the little kids. He spoke to the junior hires. He was amazing. I mean, he just knocked it out of the park. He had them eating out of his hands. He had over 100 junior hires every night. He had the leaders there, and they were just like, yeah, it's Braxton. Now, I want you to hear this. We're driving home. 
And I look at him. I say, hey, Braxton. Did you like speaking to all those kids? Because for many youth guys, what they want to do is speak to lots of kids. That's what they want to do. You know what Braxton said? I didn't like it. Why not? I want to be home. I want to be with my kids. I want to be teaching our kids about Jesus. I want to be with our parents. I want to be investing in our community. That's the heart of Timothy. So the first thing is, the example is what kind of heart? What's your heart like? Oh, friends, we're blessed to have Braxton. We are blessed. And it's a good thing I'm his boss because otherwise I'd be paying for what I just said next week. <laughs> but I want you to know something. Paul poured into Timothy, it says, as a father to a son. So the first question I have is, how's your heart? Are you a person of character? Are you a person of example that is a person with a heart and a character? And if you don't have it, ask God to give it to you. Ask God to develop it in you. He can. He can replace it if you don't have it. And the second question is, who are you pouring into? Who are you pouring into? But I'm just a kid. Guess what? Then pour into other kids. You can also pour into your parents. They need you to pour into them too. Who are you pouring into? Christianity is all about pouring into each other. Christianity is all about pouring into others. Who are you pouring into? Notice secondly with me. Epaphras. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphras, Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for all of you and has been distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow, and I am more eager to send him Therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I am a less, maybe less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ. I want you to see this next phrase. Risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Risking his life. That word risking, it means gambling. He is the divine gambler who do you put it all on the line for who do you risk it all for i want to show you something about paphroditus he is never an elder he's never a speaker he's never a bible teacher 
He's a guy who walks in and says, hey, I see Paul has needs. Send me. I'll help. These are my gifts. These are my talents. We don't know what they were, but whatever they were, they were exactly what Paul needed, and he went. Too often we get it in our heads that God only uses teachers. That God only uses guys who can get up and speak. Guess what? God doesn't want guys who can speak. He's got plenty of those. God wants people who say, these are my gifts, these are my talents. How do you want me to use them? And I'll risk it all, Father, to use them. Show me what you want me to do. You say, how do I know he was effective? Notice how Paul describes him. My brother, the guy who cards my heart. My fellow soldier, the guy who's got my back. My co-worker, the guy who stands side by side with me and sweats with me and bleeds with me and he's with me every step of the way. Your minister, your messenger, the guy who fulfills your role. And you see that little phrase that says, in that part that was lacking in what you did? That's going to tie down to a little phrase down later called worship. Remember in Romans 12, 1 where it says, uh, you know, uh, that we do things as an act of our spiritual worship unto God. It's not about singing songs. It's about living a life of worship. What he's saying here is, Epaphroditus lived his life in such a way that his life was nothing but an act of living worship to God. Man, I, I'd like to get to the end of my life and God say, hey, your life was nothing but worship, Greg. You lived your life in a way that screamed worship to me. How about you? But that word risk, I love it, man. It is the ultimate gambler. It's para baloney, not baloney. Baloney. And from Epaphroditus, a group of people developed in the early church. And what they would do is, they would look around and they'd go, Oh my goodness, a plague broke out. Hey guys, let's go minister in the name of Jesus. Now some of us will die, some of us are going to catch the disease, but we're going to go. And this group of people called the Parabolona, they would rush. When everyone else was running the other way, they would rush in to be the hands and feet of Jesus and share Jesus Christ in the midst of suffering and pain and death. And they'd say, but you're risking your life. Yeah, but it's worth the risk. Notice the third example. The example of Paul. An example of what truly matters. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. And just take a moment in your chair and spend a moment just rejoicing in the Lord, would you? 
in your heart of hearts, would you just take a moment and rejoice? To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me and it is safe for you. In other words, I want to protect you. So look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Whoa, Paul, you're getting a little rough here in your language. Now, when he says look out for dogs, he's not talking about puppy dogs. He's talking about a pack of wild dogs that would go through the town and ravage people. If they could catch you by themselves, they would kill you. As a kid... My family got attacked by a pack of wild dogs. They nearly killed my aunt and my cousin. There's nothing cuddly or fluffy about these dogs. Look out for evildoers. These are people who dress up like they're coming in and doing good. They would follow Paul. They would say, hey, you know, they um, taught, Paul taught you some good stuff, but let me teach you what he left out. And they would twist the gospel. That's why they're called evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. And they're talking about the circumcision group. This is the Judaizers. These are people who take the teachings and twist them. These were people who walked around saying we are the Jewish fundamentalist Christians who go and we add to the gospel. We teach the gospel plus. And so Paul says, you need to understand something. We are the circumcision. We are the circumcision of the heart, not the body. We who live a life, that's what that worship means, a life of worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus. We don't put any confidence in the flesh. Why? Because the people who were coming before were saying, we put all our confidence in the flesh. He says, but if you want to play their game, I'll play their game. You want to put up? Fine, guys, let's put up. If anyone thinks they can outdo me, let's go for it. And he says, first of all, I was circumcised on the eighth day. The majority of the people who were traveling behind Paul, they were proselytes. They weren't circumcised on the eighth day. They weren't born into the Jewish faith. So he says, I just topped you. I am people of Israel. I was born an Israelite. I'm not a proselyte. I didn't just become one. Not only was I born an Israelite, I know my tribe. By this time, a lot of them had forgotten their tribes. A lot of them, because of this dispersion, because of all the wars, didn't know who they were. But, but Paul says, I can, I can track my lineage. You want to put up? You want to shut up? Let's go for it. You want to throw down? Let's go for it. I know who I am. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. That's the noble tribe. That's the tribe that supported David. That's the tribe of honor. Not only that, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. In other words, in my home, we practiced everything Hebrew. We didn't play games. We were serious about our faith. As to the law, I was the strictest sect. I was a Pharisee. I played for keeps. As to zeal, and in the Jewish faith, zeal was a big deal, I persecuted the church. In fact, I did evil to show how good I was. I killed people. I threw people in jail. I broke up families. You want to throw down? I'll throw down with you. And to the righteousness under the law. If you want to look at me, 
according to the law. Now, I'm not saying I'm without sin, but according to those who want to play this game, I was blameless. Dudes, to put it another way, he looked at the guys and says, you guys can't touch this. You can't, you can't touch me. So if we're going to play the game, you lose. But I want to share something, guys. You're measuring all the wrong things. You're measuring it all wrong. Why? Because you're holding a wrong faith. You're holding a faith of works. You're holding a faith of deeds. You're holding a faith that's all about you. And our faith isn't about you. You want to find out who the faith is about? Go on with me. For indeed, I count everything as loss. Why? For surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Number one, you want to know what's important? Know Christ. I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Number one, knowing Christ is everything. Number two, that I may gain Christ. Number three, and be found in Him. Not only do I know Him, not only have I gained Him, but I'm found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, not only having this fake righteousness, but one that comes through faith in Christ, a righteousness from God that depends on faith. I have His righteousness. Why? Because it comes from Him. Because my righteousness is as filthy rags. It doesn't matter what I do. That I may know Him. And notice what He says. Not only do I want to know Him, but I want to know the power of His resurrection. Wow. Knowing Jesus better. Gaining Him better. Found in Him better. Having His righteousness, better. Knowing Him and the power of His resurrection, better. Sharing in His suffering, better. Becoming like Him in death, better. Now, this last phrase is in our vernacular, this phrase, having my mind blown. Okay, verse 11 that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. That phrase, that by any means possible I may attain, that means it is mind-blowing for me to think that I could attain the resurrection. I want you to think about that. Why? He's saying, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't deserve it. I don't, under, I don't deserve the resurrection. I don't deserve His unexplainable mercy. I don't understand it. I don't deserve Him giving His glory and, and, and taking His glory to raise me from the dead. I, I, I don't get it. I should be worm food with my body. I should experience eternal punishment. But no, God with His mercy raises me. He gives me His righteousness. I don't get it. Mine. And so Paul says this. Follow my example. Don't worry about your pedigree. Don't worry about the good you've done or the bad you've done. 
Instead, be blown away by the work of Jesus Christ. Instead, focus on knowing Jesus Christ. It's better than anything. So imitate Timothy. Seek a heart that brings God glory. Seek the things of God and seek pouring into someone. Be like Epaphroditus. Be God's gambler, taking gifts and talents he's entrusted to your care and using him for his glory, risking it for his kingdom. Be like Paul, not caring about your history, be it good or bad, but seeing the glory of the work of Jesus Christ. And what happens when we do it? Well, in Carthage, a severe plague broke out. The people in that city were so afraid of the plague that the non-Christians there would not even bury their dead lest they get the plague. But the Christian leader of the city, Superion, led the Christians there to minister to the sick and the dying and bury the thousands of dead. And those who lived there were transformed from hating the Christians to loving them to coming to know Jesus Christ because they saw unconditional and fearless love in action. Many came to know Jesus because these people gambled their faith in the name of Christ. May we be so willing to do so today. Amen. Father, we come to you now. As our ushers come forward, as our band comes forward, we come to you. We pray that you would be with us that we would follow your example, that we would want to know nothing but Jesus Christ, that we would glory in nothing else, that we would want to walk like Epaphroditus and say, these are my gifts, these are my talents, I'll gamble them for the glory of God. You just tell me what you want me to do. And if I lose my life, I lose my life as long as it's to your glory. That we would be like Timothy, a man of right heart, a man or woman of right character. Father, help us to be those kind of people. Now use this offering to your honor and to your glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.